listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. From the AfterBuzz studios in Los Angeles, California, this is AfterBuzz TV for Season 7, Episode 11 of Desperate Housewives. Tonight's host is Sarah Stratton. Joining Sarah will be AfterBuzz co-host Phil Svitek. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest Desperate Housewives news and gossip. We want to hear from you, too. If you'd like to buzz in on tonight's show, you can buzz us at 347-855-8269. That's 347-855-8269. And now, picking up where the show leaves off, and the buzz continues, Sarah Stratton! Hi guys and welcome to the show. This week we're going to be covering Season 7, Episode 11 of Desperate Housewives called Assassins. This week we saw Gabby deal with um, Juanita learning that she's not um, actually Gabby's daughter. We also saw Bree and Keith struggle to fight for their relationship when Orson comes into their life. Renee and Lynette encounter some past troubles when Renee reveals that her and Tom had had an affair 20 years ago. Susan um, is recovering and in the hospital after being trampled from the previous stampede in the street. And Paul Young is also joining her in the hospital with a mysterious gunshot wound. So let's start off talking about Gabby, Phil. Fair enough. I, and I just want to say, by the way, spe- talking about it seems like everyone's wounded. And uh, as you heard, it's only Sarah and I tonight. But just because we don't have the quantity doesn't mean the quality ha- will dissipate. We're still here. The show goes on. <laughs> the show goes on. So, I mean, Gabby, um, you know, obviously Grace is now gone and uh, the secret's out that um, Juanina knows about Grace. And so now they're dealing with it. And, uh, I mean, this whole saga has just been so – not. I, I want to say up and down, but it hasn't been up at all. You yeah. Know? It's, a very, it's really depressing. And, I mean – I'm seeing where they're coming from. They're trying to protect this little girl who obviously is encountering these horrible events. But I just think there needs to be more support for Gabby. I mean, what do you think? This woman no longer has her real daughter. She's off roaming around the country with parents who might not have jobs, who might be getting completely deported, and she has to completely forget about her. I mean, how can someone deal with that? What do you think? I mean – well, here's the thing. Uh, as you were saying that, I thought of, well, okay, sure, you know, she has to get rid of all the photos. Uh, she she can't talk about it in the house. And I understand that. But she still has her friends through Lynette, Susan, and Bree, and Renee now that she can talk to. And I know it's, you know, the whole, the whole thing is we must get Grace out of our lives. Well, in some sense, you know, you can get rid of all the photos. But at the same time, you could still have your therapy through your close friends. That's true. I mean, I was thinking when they brought out the therapist for Juanita, like, Gabby's the one who really should be talking about this with people because Carlos isn't there listening to her about their child that's lost. She's not talking to anyone. Now she's resorting. We see her by this doll who I'm just scared she's going to name Grace or something. I mean, that was, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that more in depth, but that was just creepy in some sense. Horrible. <laughs> that doll shop gave me the creeps. And then we see... Juanita, do you think she's going 
like she just was she handling it right i don't know i feel like they're making a big deal about her but they don't really see anything she says or does i mean it's tough because obviously uh is not like um a character that we sort of follow that we sort of you know it's not that we don't care about her it's just not something we follow and i'm having a tough time seeing it through her eyes i mean i, I you know, and it seems so simple where, like, you know, you should be able to see it easily through her eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, and may- maybe it's because I'm a guy. Sarah, <laughs> do you have any uh, differing thoughts on that? I mean, I was just looking at it, and I want them to show more of her interactions because all you saw, really, is that's my problem, is you see this show, and it's all about Juanita struggling and Juanita being this torn down and depressed, but you don't see that. You only see... Gabby being depressed and nothing being done about Gabby's depression. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah, if so Juanita's it's... so upset, they should show that more instead of just showing Gabby being upset and her only resorting to buying, like, a doll. Yeah, I get that. I mean, uh, in with a, with a background in, in film and TV, it's, it's uh, what we call show, don't tell. And what they're doing is they're ra- rather than showing us Juanita's pain, they're telling us through all these sort of scenes. But really... What we're actually seeing is just more of uh, Gabby's pain. Exactly, and nothing's being done about it, really. I mean, I want to see, I want to see Gabby let out her pain to people, whether it be friends, whether it be a therapist, instead of her like resolving inwards. And I just want her to talk and be expressive and bring it out with the other girls in the street and everything like that. Since Carlos definitely won't listen to her. And I think, in some sense, I think there has to be. Well, uh, you know, I, I think Gabby and Juanita are the ones who eventually have to talk head on, you know? I mean, it's a problem that both of them are dealing with. They have strong feelings about it, so they're the ones that have to resolve it by talking. Mm-hmm. And um, in, in this, and, but, but just watching Juanita, she just seems so bratty. <laughs> when, when, you know, when they're going out to get the doll, she's like, uh, she just seemed ungrateful to be there in the first place. And I understand that, you know, that was because of that. But I don't think it's just because of that, you know, because of Grace. No, it's definitely a... Gabby spoiled them to the point of no return. There's no looking back. They get everything they want. And Gabby's way of fixing anything is just shopping. I mean, it's a real real bonding experience. I can buy you this and I'll get your love. That's her theory. I mean, uh, if you were in... Not to the extent of fully of wanting to choose but like how, how does a mother and daughter sort of deal with with uh you know something that goes on in your experience i mean in my experience uh, my mother was never one to be like oh i'm gonna make up things with presents it was always more of like if she felt we needed more time together we would spend the day together doing something simple i don't know go to the park go to the maybe a movie and lunch it wasn't like i'm going to take you on a shopping spree and buy you all these expensive things just to make you like me it wasn't things like that so but i mean that's gabby's theory but i think i should just talk a little bit about brie and keith and now orson who came into the picture and orson obviously left brie um a while ago and just a for this other woman and they everything went up in smoke now he comes rushing back saying that some um his i'm forgetting her name judy judy Judy. that judy has dumped him but it's revealed that she didn't and he's still in love with brie well did you all right first off so in in the sense of him coming back was it kind of odd did you that uh it was uh it was the cab driver who knocked and said you have a visitor 
it, it, is that one of those things, you know, like that? I mean, just that right off the bat set a weird tone of like, okay, something's up. And I know it's just, I mean, you could call it nitpicking in some sense, but I think it's, <laughs> I, I found it hysterical of like, oh, Orson's back. He's back. Yes, I mean, they obviously made a big deal about it, but I think it is funny. Just everything was so, like, from the knock to the food fight, everything was just a little bit out there, a little bit just pushing it that he's such a big deal. And I think the whole point was really putting him and Keith on complete opposite spectrums. You've got this classy guy who likes all the fine food and the wine, and then you've got Keith who's just wants to drink at the beer in front of the couch and sit in manure. So you got you have Sloppy Joe, and then what was the Coco? Some weird, see, I, I guess I'm siding with Keith because I'm more Sloppy <laughs> Joe kind of guy. What was it, like, Fall Gras? I can't even... Some French thing. <laughs> um, and and it, was for, it was really... Um, you know, I, I sort of uh, knew at the moment um, when they were on the couch, Bree and and um, Orson, and he says, why ruin something that was perfect to begin with? I was like, oh boy, right off the bat there. Yep, he was quite forward. And of course, Bree, in her naivety again, just like with Keith's dad, is like, oh, he's just being nice. I mean, it just seems like one man after another just wants Brie, and she's just like, let's be nice to them all the time. Well, I could see, I could see it in the sense of, okay, um, you know, Keith's dad, you know, because mm-hmm. it's Keith's dad. But whereas Orson, you know, this is an ex. So, you know, there were feelings before. Now, now he says a line like that. You got to think something's up. Uh, yeah, she's just being too naive about this, and she's a smart lady. And, I mean, we're going to talk more about exes when we get to our special segment about when exes come back into your lives. But with hers, Orson is just being completely forward. It, his intentions are clear. I'm surprised Keith didn't do more with his past history of people hitting on his girls. Yeah, I mean, I was I was sort of, uh, you know, I mean, the guy, all he wanted to do was ask Bree to marry him. Uh, she declined, but then, you know, did it in a nice way, obviously, where she said, please move in with me. And uh, obviously the trouble with the with the father where, you know, he kept going on dates with them. And now you have another third and fourth wheel, as Orson says. And it's just like, oh, my God, Bree, like, it's just unfair to Keith. It really is. Yeah, and then she's – and you see um, Bree telling Keith, oh, well, I'm going to make him leave right now. I'm going to make him leave right now. And then – She's obviously upset, and she comes back, and she's like, oh, a couple more days, and she does this twice, and she's like, this guy has been, Keith has been through so much, he's been more, been through more than Orson at this point, who's just trying to ruin things, I mean, you need to take his side, and I did like in the end their little mud fight, you know, (laughs) really getting down and dirty, her absorbing his, um, his dirtiness, I loved it. I like our new muddy buddies. And your muddy buddies, it's so cute. And I mean, I think it just attributes to her changing with this guy who's teaching her to be more let loose and not so uptight, kind of scary breed that we all used to know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I like that, you know, uh, early on in the episode where he says, well, like two things from that, the cold and the beer. So she gets one thing in there, which was the root for the beer. You mm-hmm. know, but. They're combining themselves. It's very nice. I like it. I want them to take him off the, um, what's it called? He's still listed as a... 
special guest mm-hmm. on the show. Um, but I think I think eventually that'll change. You know, I think uh, we'll, we'll, however it works in TV with deals, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you have a certain amount and then, you know. Yeah, because they're looking cute. I like it. And then w- my favorite part about Keith and Brie this episode was really the food fight. And, we t- and in the commercial break, Phil and I were just like, gosh, we love food fights. And I wish I had had more. But it was such a cute thing. And... I mean, it was ridiculous, but I love food fights, and I liked the little added part. What did you think about it? I mean, I I personally, as much as I don't like Orson, I liked his little comment of, um, I'm just glad he hasn't flung his own feces at me. Oh, <laughs> no. I mean, talk about the two uh, dichotomies of, like, who these people are, you know? Both just reserve He... Though he resorted to a childish nature when joining in the food fight. I mean, if you're going to tell someone how petty and little and a barbarian they are, and then you're going to join him, does it make you any better? I, no, no. No, it does not. But but I loved how he tried to like act cool about it. Like, please, can you pass the peas? <laughs> yes, and then Bree was obviously caught off guard. It was quite a little piece of entertainment. It made me laugh. So... Why don't we continue on to talk about a more dramatic issue um, that was settled in this, which was um, Renee telling Lynette about her affair with um, Tom 20 years ago. And this comes up in a very – during their luncheon, which is a business luncheon that they are both a part of. And then Renee just has to spill her beans because of a pair of oatmeal cookies. So I like like how – you know, Susan was the catalyst for all of this, and, uh, you know, she, she found out the secret from Renee when she was drunk, and then, you know, hit Tom with it, and then I liked how Susan sort of realized, okay, I have this, but it's not for me to tell, and, and I like the way she handled it, put the pressure on Renee, and obviously, uh, it was it was a deep wound for Renee. Right, and it was a little bit more of a human side of Renee than... We've really seen all season, I mean, you see this woman who's so put together and all about, you know, partying and being fabulous, and she seemed like she really did care about Lynette in this issue, in this episode. I mean, she did bring out the cookies, and when she did finally give in, I don't know, I saw a little bit of actual friendship there. Like, she did really care, and I was concerned about that before. I mean, did you think she was being honest about everything? Uh, in tonight or just in the tonight past? tonight oh absolutely mm-hmm. um, I I don't think she could have been more you know and I, I still liked uh, there were parts where like you know she was very honest but at the same time in 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 the car when uh, Lynette makes a request you still get the Renee like why not you know <laughs> why can't we tell Tom um, so but yes I th- I thought it was very endearing for her. Um, you know, so far, of, yeah, of, of what we've seen from Renee. But then Lynette, we see, who's like, oh, don't tell Tom. She puts a little twist on the whole thing. As she, I was wondering where that was going. And we see her kind of do this little trick. And she tells Tom that the hot cocoa is cold, but it's steaming. And he burns himself. I mean, I personally liked it. A little fire in there. Um, do you think that she should have told Tom right away? Like, I know what you did, or is she going around this the right way, kind of playing it um, dumb? I, th- I think, well, here's, the, if she played it dumb, for the sake of what I thought she was going to do, she was going to play it dumb, so that way their relationship could continue, there would be no animosity. 
or is her testing him, not even testing him, just being um, mean to him, not the right way to go about it, I don't think. Probably not the right way to go about it in the long run, but I feel like it's her best way to get out her anger right now. Like, she just found out this guy who she's been married to for over 20 years had an affair with her, her best friend from college. I mean, what else she can do? Do an explosive fight? They've had so many of those. Like, she's just getting her anger out in this little way, and I think it's unique, and I think people do like to do those things once in a while. I mean, I know I've been there once in a while, and she's been like, oh, yeah, I mean, this is like this, and kind of tricked people to, you know, get a little stab in there. So, okay, but, okay, um, can you clarify for me exactly what actually happened? So we know what happened 20 years ago. Um, we learned in this episode, at the, at the very least, is that, uh, you know, it happened while... Uh, Lynette was away visiting her parents, and it was um, at the time when uh, they were engaged. But were they not engaged? There was was there there like a week where they were separated. So in some sense, uh, you know, what is what is the, what is the full story here? I mean, what I got from it was Renee did mention she said that they were on a break or they're broken up for a week. But it, I think what happened was that Lynette and Tom had been engaged. They were officially engaged. They probably had a fight or something, broke up for like a week, and Lynette ended up going home. They came back, got back together, and then got married, and things have been happy ever since. And during that little fight, breakup session, after they had been engaged, though, that's when the whole little fling, one-time sex thing happened. So, I mean, that's why, I mean, it's some sense like, (coughs) excuse me, um, I get Lynette's pain, but at the same time, just let it go. And some, you know, it happened twenty years ago. Um, I don't know. I just, I just, it'll be very entertaining to see what she does with Tom. But at the same time, just why the poor guy in some sense, you know? Yeah, but I think the real pain of it is this person is supposed to be with you through thick and thin. Is supposed to be able to be honest with you about everything, and he's obviously carried around this secret for so long, and it's not like you forgot because it's been re-brought up and he's hid it from you and this is the person who's supposed to be honest with you 100% of the time who's supposed to be by your side 100% of the time and I think that's where the real pain comes from is just the how could this happen how could you not tell someone for so long that you supposedly are supposed to be there for well here's the thing I mean in some sense there's um you know you know when you have a secret no matter how even if it's uh, let's say minute um, the longer it goes on without you telling whoever, the bigger it becomes in that regard. And and in some sense, it, it's just easier. And in some ways, I feel that just let it go. You know, it's it's more of a hassle to bring it up when it is that minute thing. But but because of the time span that that um, between it happening and you telling, it's just too 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 dramatic. And so just just let it go. It's not worth it. I think that. That sounds easy, but I think guilt is something that needs to really be considered. Like, I think it's a very, very treatment statement, even taking from personal experience, that guilt builds up. And over time, even though the lie may get worse, your guilt gets worse too. And in my opinion, it's better to deal with the consequences that you've created. I mean, you're the one who held it off telling someone this long. It's your fault it's gotten this bad. So you have to deal with how they're going to react. You're going to have to deal with whether or not they hate you, and that's what you get. 
I mean, coming from the person who's even, I've been in the position where I've held a secret and then it blew up in my face, but I wouldn't regret it for the world because I feel even though it caused more fighting, at least I don't feel guilty about not telling them. And I think that's worse. Yeah, see, I, I'm I'm much more with I feel like Tom, where I'd be like, nah, just don't tell no one. It's been <laughs> I, twenty years. I guess I'm the Renee, and I just can't handle the guilt. It gets to me not. too easily. I'm the one crying of the oatmeal cookies and everything like that. I mean, why spoil a good thing? You know, now it's just like, oh my god. I'm sorry that I feel like I need to be an honest person and express everything, even if I make it in trouble. I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, it's, it's not necessarily being dishonest. It's just sort of helping both parties. Sometimes no. there's no right answer. No, I feel like. it, keeping something is just as bad as straight out lying, in my opinion. Fair. I mean, I've seen, I've, and I've seen literally people blow up about the stupidest things, like, uh, I don't know, like. Um, hey, I lost uh, that five bucks you gave me. Let's just say, and it's just because of the time span that's going. Who cares? Like, you know what I mean? It's 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 just it's five dollars. What's to now in twenty years? But I mean, come on, just let it go. Just let I'm it just go. an honest person. It's not that bad. Sorry. Well, <laughs> now let's move on a little bit to Susan, and she's in the hospital. She's. Very unfortunate because she got trampled last week um, by the riot that went on in Wisteria Lane due to Mr. Paul Young. Um, but so Susan is – she has had a kidney removed and her other one is failing. And so she's being hospitalized and kind of dealing with um, understanding what she should do. And she has this theory that she needs to – she can just have – good food and she won't have to go through dialysis but i mean that doesn't end up seem to work out with her because she ends up fainting at the end of the end of the episode but one thing i did want to talk about is she at one point she turns to the rest of the girls when they come visit her and that's brie and lynette and gabby and she says will you take care of my son if anything happens to me and the three ladies had a very different response, each one. I mean, we first see Brie, and she's like, oh, you're going to be fine. And Gabby's like, oh, everything's going to be work out. And then Lynette's the one who's like, absolutely, we'll be there for you, and we'll be there for him. And I, it just made me realize something when I was watching it. And I was just like, one, each of those statements, in my opinion, kind of showed each of their personality. And two, that is the most important thing about these women is that they all – through all of this, somehow get together and bond together and are there for each other. And I think that's a very good point. And, but my favorite was Lynette, who was the only one who was kind of truthful about the situation and recognizing what Susan wanted because all she wanted was someone to look after her kid. And the other two were like, oh, it'll be fine, blah, blah, blah. And but I think, I think that they will, you know, of course, you know. Just in that moment, again, they chose to lie for the better good. <laughs> Um, you know, and, but there's not a doubt in my mind. I mean, sure, Gabby wouldn't be the greatest at taking care of MJ, but she would. But she likes to look at everything like, oh, well, it'll be okay, everything. She doesn't really, she, just like with the whole Juanita thing, with her not recognizing that everything's falling apart, she, like, 
looks for like little ways out of things like oh it'll be fine everything will work out so not serious and then you got Lynette over there who's like this is what she needs to hear I mean it might not be the best thing in the world but this is the truth and that probably comes from the fact that as we just talked about she's being lied to and found out about it and then but I mean what else that also brought we see Tom comes back into the picture you mean Mike Mike, you're Mike. right. Why am I saying Tom? <laughs> I don't know. We talked about Tom too much. <laughs> I guess so. He's in my head. Can't stop <laughs> thinking about him. No, but so Mike comes back in, and he's there. To, I mean, he makes it seem like he came for Susan, but how did he just find out about this? How did he get back? I mean, he he my when when the episode started, and uh, you know the the mother of uh, Mary Alice was on the phone, and then Mike was on the phone. Um, I mean, they were obviously on the phone together, and I thought Mike was the uh, the killer of You Paul were wrong. And I was wrong. Just like I said. Apparently. I'm right. Um, but uh, then he comes back, and um, I don't know. I, I, you know it, I don't think if you were in uh, Susan's position that you would question of, like, how did you get here so quick? Again, I a lie know. that doesn't need to be... Doesn't need to be told? Yes. That's all of a serial lady to be full of. That is my new theory, a lie that doesn't need to be told. Oh, okay. Well, I disagree because now he's just in here out of the blue. No one knows where he's come from. I don't even know when he arrived. It's just cold. I don't, I don't, maybe he never even left. No, I'm just kidding. But so Tom's back. The gang's getting reunited. And then... Susan's kind of the linking person throughout the episode. We see her bring everyone together, everything like that. And then in the end, she ends up, as I said before, she ends up, like, feigning. And who knows what's going to happen to her next. By the way, uh, at that moment, in some sense, I, 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 like, I was writing a note, but I also, like, had to write a note because she was so good in that moment uh, as an actress that I was like, oh, my God can't watch yeah. this this is just i mentioned too much. that too yeah no that seizure was very very realistic and very believable applause to you terry hatcher <laughs> for great acting <laughs> skills so that was the whole susan part and this whole thing goes back to paul young who is the culprit behind all of this who's also in the hospital with susan little coincidence and he's been shot and so last week, or two weeks ago, we, t- we all had some theories about who shot him. And I'd just like to say that almost everyone had decided that it was Mrs. Young who was the well, culprit. Well, we had, I believe we had some theories. Not that everyone was, uh, I forget who shot with who, but we thought, okay, uh, the obvious choice was Mary Alice. We thought, um, what's the, the, the realtor guy's name? Oh, um... Why do I always forget his name? I don't know. Uh, Every time. I need to write it down. Because, uh, I mean, he had a gun. Uh, Bree had a gun. We th- Some wild theory was that uh, Keith uh, shot him. I don't know why. Um, In my memory, everyone had decided that it was Mrs. Young, and I was the only one who had decided that it was Mrs. Kowalski. I'm sticking by my theory and proving you all wrong. Well, we'll find it. I mean, but... First, let's talk about the fact that okay, and I, I guess I guess I should have realized this, but but the whole thing of the teasers before this was like who shot Paul Young. Naturally, I thought we'd get the answer, <laughs> not of oh they are wondering who shot Paul Young as well, but we won't tell you who actually did it. 
I, it was, I was disappointed in, that, in some sense, so we better find out soon. Well, it did seem to clarify some people that weren't the killers. I mean, we saw um, Beth is very shocked and tries to go up to her mother and say, oh, I can't believe you did this. And so we don't – so that kind of puts that out of the picture, maybe, that she didn't do it, right? Who knows? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, well, I guess I guess you're right. I'm not gonna. Okay. Know. Well, that that is a very strong factor that would say that she didn't do it. Then there's a hint that Mike may have done it, but he also denies doing it. And then um, who Beth's mother also denies doing it. So that leaves all of those suspects out of the picture. And Mrs. Kowalski is still in the picture, along with Bree and Keith. And hopefully next week or sometime we'll find out. But another big deal is that in searching for the assassin or the shooter of Paul Young, I guess since he's not actually dead, they're not considered an actual assassin, um, he discovers the relationship between Beth and her biological mother. So that was a very big plot twist. Interesting. Did you think? Did, what did you think about him I, finding that out? I mean, it it was a, it was definitely a huge thing. I mean, uh, you know, earlier in the episode, we when uh, when the detectives brought into question um, the wife, um, and I keep referring to her as Mary Alice because I, uh, that's the actress's name. So so it's Beth, the character name. Yes. Yes. So Beth. Um, right. Yeah, yeah. Now you're having me question uh, no, myself. It, it is Beth. Um, and so I liked how uh, Paul Young stepped in. And, you know, that was very telling of, like, you know, the only person that this guy thought he could trust was his wife. And, uh, and it, you know, when, when the detectives tell him the truth, I very I, – I don't I don't know where he's going with this. I, I, I guess I kind of do maybe in some sense. But uh, I'll save that for predictions. I thought it was very interesting how he made that choice to you know no 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 we've we've dealt with this there's no problem of course I know let's I, move on see that didn't surprise me I mean that's so Paul Young he does everything in his own manipulative mind he gets in my opinion no help from anyone it's all about him what he thinks up and he's not going to reveal anything if he feels it could be a pawn to him in any way so I mean. If he is plotting, it's in his best interest to keep the police thinking that everything's peachy keen between him and his wife. Yeah, but, it's not, it, but, but think about how badly that could backfire. Oh, yeah, you told us uh, there, there was no problem there? Yeah. Okay, and uh, so why did you do this? Uh, because, you know, I mean, how that could ba- badly backfire. But we have learned that he is c- kind of skilled at trying to get people to be hush up and be silent. And he's so except manipulative. He, except he never suspected that his own wife would be the, you know, in his, the potential shooter of him. And that's what's in his mind now. That's true. And you don't want to be on his bad side. He, he'll he take extreme measures. He wasn't even upset, it looked like, when he got shot at the end of um, the episode before break. I thought he was, he was like, dead. smiling. I thought he was dead. I think we all did. I mean... I kind of wished he was dead. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what, a, what a strange twist in that sense that he that he didn't actually die. I'm surprised they didn't like hint to anything. They just kind of left it completely out of the picture at the end of the at the end of the last last episode. Now twisting it all around on us. Well, I, and I, I liked. Uh, I definitely liked 
you know how all these shows sort of um you know you think it's going to go one way or like you think something's going to be made a big deal you know and they just kind of brush aside okay like they, the riot happened paul young was shot no he's not dead let's move on yep. i like that well everything's such a big deal that you know they can just they just move from one big deal to the next sometimes i mean paul young though it's, it's, so just it but also like you know um when when beth visits her mother um, I don't know. Like, yeah, I'm just trying to, I'm just, I just want to know who shot Paul Young, I guess. I just want to know. <laughs> That's all you could say during, at the end of this, Phil's just screaming, who shot Paul Young? Who? I just want to know who. This is so disappointing. Come on. I mean, I don't know. I just, I, I question, I want to know. I want to know whose motive was it. You're going to have to wait. Desperate Housewives just likes people to wait. You're probably not going to find out for like a month. I guess not. It's going to be hidden. Hidden with all the other secrets of Wisteria Lane. <laughs> okay, well, let's... Want to find out what the AfterBuzz is about? Janice is a drama queen. This yeah. is the divide that is going to carry the series. Give us a call at 347-855-8269. With television, and they want it to be as dramatic as possible. I mean, it's and like You never know what goes on behind closed doors. Get in on the AfterBuzz. 347 now, in the eyes of Jimmy, Nucky is a villain. Listen on iTunes. I mean, who would you guys rather hear that from? Find us on Facebook. Your husband or your best friend? Follow us on Twitter. And then she's so, trying to kill him, so it justifies it. I'm like, oh, now it makes sense. And visit us at AfterBuzzTV.com. <laughs> the wig! The wig! Oh, come on, that wig! Come on, baby! Oh, Boardwalk Empire. Desperate Housewives. Glee. Gossip Girl. Breaking Bad. Madman. True Blood. The Walking Dead. Big Love. Jersey Shore. The Oscars. Celebrity Rehab. The Emmys. If it's hot, you can bet we'll be buzzing about it. <laughs> okay, well, that was our new commercial. And let's move on to our special segment, which is when exes come back around. And when we discuss this, so we brought this up because obviously... Um, Renee is back, and she was at one point kind of Tom's ex. I mean, ex, you know, sexual encounter. Also, we've got Orson, who gets back into Bree's life, screwing things up, but not really with Keith. And then, um, that's so we're gonna bring that in. And Phil says he has some <laughs> experience with exes coming back around. Why don't you enlighten us? Well, I've been I've been sort of in uh, Keith's position, I guess, in the sense of uh, you know, I I I was the I guess the rebound relationship. I hate to call it that. Not not that I actually was, but you know, everyone always terms it that. And uh, then the sort of ex realized that he made a mistake and uh, wanted to get the girl back. And in some sense, you know, I was kind of like a Keith where, I, you know, I could have gone like full tilt, like, get the F out of here, you mm-hmm. kid. Like, you had your shot, you effed it up, go, leave. And I just hate that. Like, move on in some sense. But it's also, I Wait, guess, so what did you do? Did you do anything? What did you say to her? Or what happened? Well, luckily she was much like Bree where she was like, okay, you know, like, yes, you know, I had some feelings for this kid, but, you know. I've moved on, and uh, he should too, or whatever, you know? Like, mm-hmm. like kids got to move on. And, uh, I mean, it's unfortunate because uh, it's a kid that I... I don't know. I guess, I guess in m- much sense, you know, like, I, get, I could see Keith really hating Orson, 
and in some sense, I, I, as you can tell. You weren't too fond of the guy? Not really, no. No, okay. Did anything ever go down? Did he ever, like, make any big plays for her? Um, he, he kind of did. He kind of definitely did. Um, you know, and, uh, one of the funny was things... Was he shady or did he do it in front of your face? I, would, I want to know I mean, shady, um, it's, it's, a, well, it's a weird age that we're living in. Um, mm-hmm. and this, I just remember, um, you know, that, uh, one of the things, you know, just to sort of how it, the day and age we're living in, him and I knew each other and we went to college together. And so, uh, so we were Facebook friends just cause like, you know, back in the day, you just add anyone really. Mm-hmm. And not that we weren't like, uh, cordial to each other at, you know, way before this, but, um, and then I just remember like he defriended me and it was, <laughs> I was like, okay, great. You're like, oh God. I mean, I guess I have some very, I guess, kind of recent experience with this, but, um, so I was, I guess, in Bree's situation where I was I was getting involved with someone new, and my ex actually decided to transfer to my college. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Just because of you or just because it was a good college? I mean, I, you go to USC, right? And yes, I go to USC, and I it was because it was a good college. Fair enough. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. Um, no, I'm pretty sure that, that was that was it. But once he got there, he tried to get back together, and I kept saying no, and then I wasn't interested, and it was just causing so much drama. And that was the – and it totally was messing up, like, me trying to, like, move on or anything. Like, he was just getting involved and – toying around and making things so dramatic and I was like you're supposed to be like I thought guys are supposed to be way less drama and I feel like in my life they're way more drama it's it's not fair well here's the thing we we as guys do stupid things and uh if we if we we just can't guys uh really can't take a hint um and I'm gonna admit that right now in the sense of like even even like starting off like it's tough for a guy to admit that okay, she's just not that interested, and so that carries through. So after she, whoever dumps who, even if it's the guy, or whoever, uh, you know, or the girl, it's always like, uh, it's you know, you just can't accept it. No, my theory about guys is that they, let's see, how do I put this? Basically, they'll be interested with whoever's most recent in their mind. When they don't have someone else to focus on. And the moment they get someone else to focus on, they're done. But then when that goes away, they'll go back. And it's like a game. Like if there's three girls and they're all in sequence, okay? Mm-hmm. You've got girl number one. And then that ends and he goes to girl number two. And then there's a break and he stops and girl number two ends. So he starts thinking about girl number one again. And then girl like number three comes along. And then that breaks. And then he starts thinking about girl number two. And it's just like this weird cycle of they have to think about someone all the time. And none of it's really true. <laughs> I see. So we can't be monogamous? I mean, your minds just have to be thinking about someone always. You can't just be like, oh, I'm not interested in anyone right now. Like, you have to be interested in someone. Or fighting for something. Well, well what about... It- so wait, girls don't have to think about anyone? They just don't have to have anyone? I mean, in my opinion, way less than guys do. Guys are always like, have to think about someone or like, 
be going after something. Girls, it's like, it's not that way. So I feel like girls can sometimes just want to have, like, girl time and actually be single. Like, guys say they want to be single, but they're always, like, going after people. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I personally love, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Jerry Shore. So these are, like, the, those type of people where, okay, if you break up, you become single. And when you're single, you're having fun. So, yes, I guess in some sense you're thinking about someone else. But those guys are just getting new girl after new girl after new girl, uh, you know. But There's... they always bring in the drama of the old girls. It, it's just, I think it's or the guys. old girls bring the drama to them. I don't know. I don't know. My theory is that um, boy exes, when they come back into your life, are way more trouble than girl exes when they come back into your life. No way. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm such a good ex. I mean, I was taking care of one of my exes on New Year's. That's how nice I am. See? Taking care of him how? They were (laughs) sick, and I was being very comforting. I was... Very com- Okay. <laughs> no, oh. no, no, no. Do not twist my words. I was getting water and other things like bags. I still stop looking at me that way. No. I just want to know. I just no. want to clear it I up. I was I don't... being so nice. See? This is less drama. And you don't think he's going to interpret that like, oh my god, this girl took care of me. She was, quote, very nice. No. First of all blacked out won't remember so i won't even get credit for all of my nice good deeds and yeah so but still my point better so did you take care of him because you still have feelings for him i took care of him because i was taking care of like four people and i'm a nice person fair okay okay i won't dig deeper she's uh she's getting uh very angry with me very angry wow i'm just kidding no so I don't know what our conclusion is. I guess exes are just drama, except for me. Just uh, <laughs> just marry your high school sweetheart, I guess, in some sense. I don't know. No, no, no. I don't know about that one. That sounds like a lot of drama. Although, in my family, there are like seven high school sweetheart matchups. It sounds like the perfect combination. <laughs> well, let's move on to our news and gossip. After Buzz TV News. Well, this week, Brian Austin Green has claimed that he hates being seen as a hunk. The 37-year-old actor, who had many no-shirt scenes on the show, said, I was dreading it. It's just, I've never played anyone labeled as a hunk in anything. I've always been kind of the lankier guy, and a lot of pressure comes with playing the hunk. Dude, you're a hunk. Girls like you. Relax, you're married to Megan Fox. I think you can handle it. Exactly. I mean, if you're married to Megan Fox, you better be a hunk. I mean, you can't just be the lanky guy. Exactly. I mean, whatever. Nickname Sloppy Joe's got to go. <laughs> well, Brian Also Green has also been cast in a new TBS pilot called The Wedding Band. The hour-long comedy revolves around a wedding band composed of different guys from different walks of life. It is led by two best friends who are complete opposites when it comes to love. One is a bachelor, and one is married with two kids. The wedding band comes from the minds behind South Park and Smallville. Interesting, and I wonder who he's going to play. Is he, you know, is he the bachelor or the married one? I'm definitely thinking they're putting him as the bachelor. I mean, can you imagine them putting him as Brian Austin Green with the guy with kids being the no, daddy figure? But this also raises questions. Okay, he's been listed as a special guest for Desperate Housewives. Is this the end? 
of Brian Austin Green on DH. I hope not. I like him and Brie. Anyway, so actress Lisa Rena has taken a page out of Terry Hatcher's book by tweeting photo- photos of herself without any makeup. Hatcher had done this last year and went on Oprah to discuss its impact. And I believe we also discussed it on this show. And uh, I guess, you know, you know, way to copy Terry Hatcher. <laughs> Honestly, though, I'm giving thumbs up. I think the more stars come out without makeup, the better. It makes me feel better about myself just a little bit sometimes. Fair enough. <laughs> well, speaking about Hatcher, the actress has reportedly landed her own TV comedy. Hatcher was recently given the green light for a new pilot series scheduled to broadcast next autumn. The show, said to be developed as the, quote, untitled Terry Hatcher pilot, will be produced by Deborah House Rise creator Mark Cherry, and so it's going to be a dark comedy, much like Desperate Housewives. Hatcher got the news just before the holiday holiday hiatus. Well, again, is this the end of... Uh, I mean, there were reports where Terry Hatcher um, wouldn't be coming back for this season of Desperate Housewives. Is this it for her? Is Ooh. this... Sh- these are very sad news in some yeah. sense. And it's it's sad because you could almost see it really easily happening right now, especially with her whole kidney problems and being in the hospital. I mean, that's that's scaring me. My heart's pounding a little faster. Someone's got to take care of MJ. She's like one that she's been there since the beginning. She's the core. She is desperate housewife to the max. She can't leave. <laughs> anyway, um a representative of Eva Longoria has dismissed reports that the actress is inviting cameras into her life to film a new reality show. Well, I wonder why. Not to, right now is not a good time for uh, for Eva Longoria. No, it's not. It's really unfortunate. But hey, if uh, if you're if you're out there, Eva Longoria, you know, I like you a lot. <laughs> we, we've got some admirers over here at AfterBuzz. Come join us. We'll give you a special hour. <laughs> anyway, um, Catherine J- Johnson, who plays Karen McCloskey, is taking her lung cancer battle to daytime TV in America by playing herself in an upcoming episode of the soap The Bold and the Beautiful. The actress will play herself in the 6,000th episode of the drama, which will air in the U.S. in February as part of a bid to bring awareness about the disease. And uh, so I don't think, see, I don't think uh, the her name could be tainted if she's the murderer of Paul Young. And that's all I'll say about that. Well, I have to say that I think it's very good when stars speak out about awareness. Yay! <laughs> Joshua Moore, who plays Parker Scavo, Scavo on the show, listed his top ten things of 2010. We'll list them off. Number one, Apple Inc. Interesting number okay. one. Um, number two, being on set at Desperate Housewives. He better. They pay his bills. <laughs> number th- three, DJing slash remixes. Interest- okay. Interesting hobby, I guess. Number four, traveling. Traveling I'm- to where, though? Hmm. I don't know. I love pretty much all traveling, except for my recent trip where I had absolutely no service or TV or basically any technology. How horrible for you. It was... It was- miserable anyway number five black eyed peas and kid cuddy i don't really know how that made the list okay i guess he likes the, the, that music sure six friends and partying obviously seven zombies on black ops for xbox 360 okay that i answered which uh, game constantly plays i just got one for christmas number eight vampires suck the movie number nine graphic design and number 10, 
2010 was the best year ever. Now we've got 2011 coming our way. I mean, what is this list? <laughs> I don't really know. I, I mean, mean, whatever his role, I mean, as Parker Scavo was, it, it better just have diminished because, I mean, this list sucks and he just wanted to get some sort of fame or whatever. I don't know. I think he's just getting endorsed or something. I mean... Apple being number one, you've got to get a paycheck for that or something. And what, a graphic design? Like, what? I don't know. Okay. Um, Nicola Sheridan's legal strategy is getting surprising. It's as surprising as, well, not getting a slap in the face. In April of last year, the actress filed suit, claiming Desperate Housewives creator Mark Sherry forcefully hit her with his hand across her face and head. She amended her claim a month later to say... It'd been a light tap. And now what is she saying? The ex-Desperate Housewives actress has agreed to drop the worst of the abuse claims in her $20 million lawsuit against Cherry and ABC. Uh, I mean, this woman is crazy. A, I don't even know who she plays on the show, but thank God she probably doesn't have a big role. Get out of here with your... And you know what? She was the one who was fired. Yeah, and exactly. Well, you know what? In, in in some sense, if you're on a show like Desperate Housewives and Mark Cherry slaps you, you know what? Just take it because you're on an amazing show. And the thing is, what I say, I mean, coming from a more, I don't know, a, a little bit of legal advice, you don't change your story like five times in the middle of a lawsuit because you're not going to get anywhere because it loses your credibility. Come on, use your brain. I'm sure you have enough money to afford a very good legal team that could tell you this. Roger Bart, who plays George Williams, has joined the cast of NBC's The Event. Everyone's joining something else. Ooh, it's changing up the TV schedule. I know, what do we got, you know? Tough to keep up lately. Everything's changing with the new year. We'll see what happens. And that's your AfterBuzz TV Desperate Housewives news and gossip for the week of January 2nd, 2011. Well... First news and gossip of the year for AfterBuzz here. Very excited. Very excited. Happy I mean, that's, that's definitely changing TV dynamic out there. Yeah, so, I mean, that kind of leads into our predictions. Are we thinking things are going to be changing itself up for the year? I mean... I just, I mean, I think, okay, so so uh, Mrs. McCloskey shot Paul Young. That's, that's I'm sticking with it. It's out there. Desperate Housewives loves to be out there. I mean... She's a woman with some gusto, you know. I mean, that's all I want to know. I mean, okay, so, but I guess the, the actually that's not true. The second thing, um, this whole uh, Gabby and the uh, the Grace doll, as I'm dubbing it, it bet it's gonna be creepy. It it just is creepy to begin with, and it's gonna be creepier as it goes on, and uh, it's gonna. It's definitely going to blow up in her face. Carlos is going to read right through that from the get-go. Oh, Gabby, what are you doing? Totally agree. Totally, complete, 100%. It's beyond creepy, first of all. I mean, those dolls in general are creepy. Her (laughs) buying one is creepy. They're obviously going to find it. I'm thinking, like, she's going to pretend to give it as a gift to one of them or something. But come on. How... How much more obvious can you get? It looks like just like her. She, you know, she's gonna be like sleeping with it or something, and they're just gonna like. I mean, she already slipped up when, uh, you know, the the store owner said, uh, you know, your daughter's gonna love it. Oh, who? Yeah. And then you know, obviously, she says, "Oh, it's it's for me." Yep. And Craziness. which in itself is creepy to admit, but 
Fair enough. I guess Sarah and Roxy and all the other people, Jen and uh, Sharon, they all have dolls and they love them. I guess I d- it's I a d- woman no, thing. No, 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 no. Those dolls scared me. You don't understand. My cousin had them. When I'd have sleepovers, I used to take them and face them backwards against the walls because they scared me. I couldn't sleep. So, no. I played with Barbies, not with giant creepy dolls. Fair enough. And uh, so, from the preview, we obviously see uh, Lynette... St- continuing to uh, ridicule Tom for his uh, 20-year mistake. I think it's going to be quite funny. I do not think that Tom is going to see it. I think Tom's going to be like, oh, bad luck. I don't think he's going to catch her. She thinks she's a little... But when he does, he will be quite mad. I'll tell you that right now. But he's not going to have a leg to stand on. I mean, it's not going to compare unless she does something real bad to get back at him. I guess I guess you're right. I was thinking back to the time when uh you know Tom was uh angry at Lynette for uh, quote not spreading how big he was. Mm-hmm. But uh then you know she said it's because she gets told every day what an awesome amazing husband he is and you know this kind of dampened that perfection in Tom, I guess. So a lot. Yeah, and let's see predictions also. So we've got big predictions that could surround Susan. I mean, in the long run, is she is this kidney thing going to be a real problem, or is she going to find a way to cure herself? I mean, I think I think she's going to go to dialysis. I don't think this, uh, you know, she was work, uh, looking up alternative medicines. Um, you know, I don't think it's going to work. Um, especially, I, I, it just it just happened. The accident happened too quick, so I think she's going to go to dialysis. Uh, Mike was pushing her that way, even though she just wanted sort of his support on the matter. Um, and I think Mike's going to st- stick around for a couple of reasons. <laughs> I'm thinking it's actually going to be a kidney failure. I think she, it's, I don't, either, I think yeah, dialysis isn't, isn't going to work, or since she got up, something really bad happened to the other one. And I think it's going to lead to some sort of failure, some sort of, like, they need to find a match. I mean, in the preview, we did see a little bit of her family coming and them mentioning MJ's kidney and her saying, well, I'm not going to take a kidney out of a nine-year-old. So I'm thinking she needs one. I'm thinking she needs a full new kidney, and she's going to no, try and find someone who can give her one. I think it's one of those things where, like, uh, you know, they just kind of tease you a little bit too much with it. Like, let's see who Paul Young's killer is. Okay, they said, the quote was, who is Paul Young's killer? It was not, this is Paul Young's killer. Come on, listen to the wording. Fair enough, fair enough. (laughs) So, I mean, do you think we're going to find that out anytime soon, or are you just hoping we will? I'm hoping we will, and in some some case, we better. I'm thinking they're going to leave us hanging. They love to do that. They really do. Um... But, uh, you know, that's all the time I guess we have for tonight. Um, Thanks for listening. Well, thank you. I, any other predictions that we might have seen? I, I, we didn't really get much in the uh, the previews. Not too much. Mm. Let's see. I'm still praying for Bree and Keith. I want them going strong. I think Gors- Orson got a hint in the little mud wrestling preview. For producers Kevin Undergaro and Phil Svitek, engineer Corey Sheehan, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, We would like to thank you for tuning in to the AfterBuzz TV network. If you have any questions, comments, or would like to host an AfterBuzz show of your own, be sure to buzz us at info at AfterBuzzTV.com or buzz into our Twitter account or Facebook page 
by searching AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, Buzz you later. And a happy new year. It's already been New Year's. Well, you know, I hope it's happy, going well. I guess it's the views expressed yeah. herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principal.